so I haven't seen you in a while. (laughs) Yeah. We having a good break? Yeah, it was wonderful. How was yours? It was pretty good. What'd you do? Uh, Went snow skiing. Generally avoided technology for a little while. Wrote a few reviews. Can you really avoid technology? When you're in the middle of nowhere, Montana, it's hard to find technology. (laughs) Well, don't they have lifts and stuff? Fair. Uh, Listen to this guy. (laughs) Just saying. Uh, You can't really avoid it anymore. I guess that's true. Anything else? Uh, Not really. Did your cell phone work? Uh, sometimes, but not very often. What if your cell phone didn't work? Uh, it was it was awful. What a life. Yeah. Without cell phone. What about you? Went to Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah, that's right. Living the high life. Mm, Actually, I saw your complaints on Twitter about um about your room. Oh well, yeah. I mean, so I like to use Twitter for that kind of thing because it's really effective. Right. Right. But um, I mean, it's America. <laughs> there was Burger King down the street. On that note. Yeah, this is Weekly Download, episode number 25. Yep. We're glad to be back. Um, we got a lot of exciting stuff for the new year coming in. Um, got some predictions to talk about today, as well as CES, of course, the big consumer electronics show that happens annually. Every year, this time. And uh, it's usually a trade show for a lot of new in people and then the incumbents into the space, but... As we'll talk about, Microsoft is... This is it. This is it for them. But um, so, as you know, with the new year comes sponsorships that we'll always appreciate. So if you're still interested and you like hearing us so far, you know, 25 episodes, you say, you know what? These guys are doing a good job. They deserve this. Go to weeklydownload.com and click on sponsorships and you can find our email and any other information about Reach and any other contact information that you could possibly want. Um, looking forward to talking to you personally. So, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, usually a big event. Uh, in the past, Apple even had made appearances. A brief appearances. There's still a lot of Apple-related vendors at this at CES every Which year. is the most exciting part for me, I would say, <laughs> just to hear about the peripheries and what kind of thing right, are coming right. out. But this year's CES is a little different in the sense that there's definitely a sort of mobile sort of shift to the way computing is. And as a result, the focus in CES is all about mobility in some way. Right. Be that a mobile phone, be that a tablet, or be that this thing called an Ultrabook. So what's an Ultrabook? Uh, I mean, for all of you who don't know what an Ultrabook is, uh, sort of the MacBook Air, they're sort of coining as the original Ultrabook. Uh, We're seeing a lot of new products coming out that look a lot like a MacBook Air. About the same size as a MacBook Air. Uh, what are your sort of thoughts on the Ultrabook? I think an Ultrabook is definitely, I guess that it's a thin. I think Ultrabook is a little bit of a misnomer, right? Because right. it's not really ultra anything. It's ultra thin and ultra light, but it's not really ultra powerful. When you think of ultra, you I think of like power and right, you know, crazy stuff. But like, I mean, it's certainly not. You don't get the f- the full MacBook Pro experience, so to speak. But you're not using a netbook either. So you're right there somewhere in the middle. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it's awful or anything, but I still think I agree with you. Ultrabook is a little bit of a stretch. So, but for the terms of CES, Ultrabook is basically a laptop that is likely 13 inches or less, though they did demo a 15-inch Samsung laptop that was an Ultrabook classification. So by that, you can say screen size has nothing to do with it. And we're seeing some rumors about the MacBook Pro like that. Just rumors. Right. And um, 
it probably has something to do with processing power, given that most of the Ultrabooks don't have more than two cores. Maybe they have four core Ultrabooks, but we're not quite there yeah, yet in terms of technology. Yet, yeah. So what we're really talking about here is lightweight and thin. And thin is really the, the you know, button pusher for most people if they want to buy a Ultrabook. It's because you want a folio-looking kind of device um, I remember when we watched the Microsoft keynote, or at least I did last night, they demoed the Samsung um, Series 9, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be thinner than a magazine, is their claim. And it does look awfully thin, but so does the MacBook Air. So the Ultrabook is not is a fad that has once again been started by Apple. You, know, right. you look at the music industry, you look at the the aluminum sort of brushed sort of style of design all across the industry. So the Ultrabook is no exception, but I will say though, I am pretty impressed with windows eight. Yeah. The way that windows eight is going to play with an Ultrabook and this sort of interplay between touch and production with a keyboard and mouse, they've really done a good job at understanding that people may do one or the other. And as a result, what kind of experience should you provide for the, touch keyboard person mm-hmm. versus the touch. I think they do a great job of catering to the people like yourself who have talked about, I like sort of the tablet functionality, but I hate not having a keyboard. Right. And they've really got a mix of both of those going on. There. Right. At least with the interface anyway. Now, I none of the laptops that they sort of previewed in the Microsoft keynote seemed to suggest that there was this um, touch screen coupled with the keyboard. I think it was really just a physical laptop it wasn't a hybrid a hybrid tablet laptop and that's because of price so the other appeal about ultrabooks is that they're supposed to be cheap because they're thinner and cheaper to manufacture because they have cheaper components right they've just become so small that they're scalable now so an ultrabook typically should only cost from anywhere from 600 to 900 the more expensive ones being in the 1100s and 1200s but you know, if you're wanting to compete with Apple and the MacBook Air, then you're wanting to either match the MacBook Air style and you do better than that at the same price, or you wanting to do a little bit of a lesser quality product that's still thin it's gonna with the lesser price. components that's going to beat the price. And I think when I was watching the Microsoft keynote and looking at sort of the lineup of laptops from HP, Dell, Samsung's in there, Lenovo's even trying to do it, Dell's in there, they're all looking to make the cheap version of the MacBook Air. They're wanting to say, hey, we believe in this kind of product. Hopefully Microsoft pulls through on their end with Metro later on. Which is sort of what they've done all along. I mean, with almost all the products, right. essentially. I mean, that's the PC sort of lo- way of looking at things, that we're going to do whatever's the trend in hardware, and hopefully Microsoft pulls their end of the bargain. Right. So. And I mean, it's worked for them in the past, but we're starting to see a, a bit of a shift, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it is starting to shift. And I think that shift can be, you can blame and thank the sort of OS OS ten or Macintosh way of developing is design first and then come up with the right. components and how everything's going to fit in there later. So understandably so, people are trying to come up with a cool-looking design or things that feel good or are pleasant to use first before really caring about the components. Because at the end of the day, performance is not really a problem because things are moving so fast. Right. 
and the things we watch online have pretty much stayed the same. And there's a lot of reasons for that trend, mainly content pri- providing bandwidth and so on and, and so forth. sort of what forth. Steve Jobs has said all along. It's not about processor speed to the average person. It's about how fast does this actually work. For you. Right. Right. So that's the Ultrabook trend. Um, the other trend is the phone trend, and particularly exciting for me. I'm excited about the Windows phone. I've said this over and over. Particularly the Nokia variant. I think the Lumia 900 is going to change the way the smartphone industry is going to look. Put me on claim chowder or whatever. I really think that that phone, and I've seen it on Twitter. Um, somebody tweeted this, and sorry, I can't remember who it was, but they said the, but but uh, MG Siegler picked it up. It's the first phone that I look at and I want. Right, and there was actually a New York Times article that I was reading right before we came to the show that was saying about the same thing. Like Windows Phone 8 or Windows Phone 7 might change, 7.5 is going to sort of change the way people look at phones. Right, and the reason is because it's so dynamic, it's so intimate, it's a very big departure from the Apple aspect and ecosystem of looking at things. And it's an even bigger department departure for Nokia, who's betting the company on this because Symbian's gone, basically. They're dying. A lot of their world market share, they've spent a ton of money and have incumbency everywhere else except in the United States. Right. So for them to make a big splash in the United States, they decided not to go with their Mego operating system, which was based on a variant of Symbian. They've actually gone with the Windows right. Phone. Which yeah. is a bold move, uh, yeah. a risky move. It's risky in the sense that the market has adopted Windows Phone 7 for the past year kind of lukewarmly, Mm -hmm. especially in the UK and in Europe. But, um, you know, the US is a different market. We look at things differently. The bleeding edge, the good design, these are the things that people around here really care about. Performance is a big deal, but it's more about the experience. And when you look at the Windows Phone experience, it looks like a completely different a totally thing different to say thing the least. from Android and iOS. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of experience people are looking for. Me personally, the only reason the Windows phone, like one of the big reasons anyway, is the fact that you get a phone experience that is not app-centered. It's about the functions and deep integration. Right. And that sort of deep integration yields to sort of serendipitous reading of your content that you would have normally not seen. It's more about you, as, cra- as silly and as cliche as it sounds. Like, everything right. is deeply integrated to, to work solely around you, whereas you're sort of guiding iOS, and right. Windows Phone 7.5 is showing you exactly what you want. Right. Or what you should want. What? Right, anyway. right. So, and so again, I mean, th- right now, there's no timetable for the Lumia 900 or, or uh, price point. The Lumia 710 supposedly is coming out pretty soon here and on T-Mobile, but nobody's really that excited for that space. Especially after seeing the 900, it's kind of hard to... And uh, the Lumia 800 basically is um, a variant of the 900, though not as big and not with the AMOLED display. So those are the big differences. So if you're holding out and you're wondering when to buy a cell phone and you want to get something different... You should probably wait for the Windows Phone. Probably won't be until February, my guess. I w- yeah, I would say early, or mid to late quarter one, early quarter two. Right. But I'm sure they're going to be aggressive with it. I think there'll be a lot of marketing blitz. 
I think that the Super Bowl will be a primary like target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see a lot of heavy marketing from Nokia. You'll see the usual marketing from Window uh, from Apple as well. Right. But um, that was a big deal. And then lastly, the tablet sort of push, of course, in mobility. And you know, last year too, um, with and I think I'll I'll quote the Windows keynote in terms of. CES 2011 was, quote-unquote, showing the way for Metro and showing how that was going to fit in a tablet ecosystem. And now we come to CES 2012 where the Metro interface is more polished. It's almost ready for public preview at the end of February. So this is the time where you start to understand that, yes, this can fit in a tablet ecosystem actually really well. One of the things I really liked about that in particular was their store is going to be up pretty soon, and it's compatible with Windows 7. But anything you buy in Windows 7 is an HTML5 app that'll be transferred so to it'll Metro. So it easily work in Metro. So it works on the web, it works on Windows 7, and it will work in Metro. So you can pull out your wallets and start giving it to Microsoft now, and Microsoft will demand it even more later. And I mean, as a business strategy, it's That's huge. brilliant, yeah. It's huge. I mean, Apple didn't have that now. If the Mac App Store and the, uh, I, you know, the iPhone or the iOS store were more integrated like the Windows Store, maybe you would see a little bit of cross cross compa- yeah. there. But it's not. So I think it's two different strategies. It's two different business models, both for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You've seen how the iOSification of Lion is starting to come out a little bit, and that's going to continue to progress. I think Windows is going to go in the same way. They're going to yeah. continue to push the mobility aspect of their product, but keeping back to their roots. And well, Windows has done a pretty excellent, or Microsoft in general has done a pretty excellent job of making my, you know, Metro go all across their devices on everything now. Right. Not just the Xbox, like the recent review, but I'm talking like the phone, the operating system, some of their TV stuff, their Xbox things, everywhere. Right. And you said you liked it mostly. Yeah, I, I actually did, yeah. So tell us about it. Uh, I mean, the... I thought it was a clear, easy-to-use interface. Uh, on the Xbox, it was especially nifty with the Kinect, you know, being able to just... Je- you do hand gestures and swipes through at your TV. I think it's probably going to... It's it's still obviously in the early stages, but I think it's a game-changer. I think that not having to use a remote at all and just sort of pointing at something on the TV and just sort of reaching out and grabbing for it is, is totally cool. Do you think that's better than the purported integration of Siri in a, uh, a TV? I mean, I honestly found myself using the, um, the Siri-style... I mentioned that in the review as well, that you can actually mm-hmm. talk to the Connect. I think that that will uh, certainly be interesting, and I think that it'll probably be pretty useful. So maybe a blend of the two. Right. And if Apple's going to do it, they, uh, in an Apple way, I'm sure they'll do it well, but Microsoft was still sort of struggling there with some of those commands, and you found yourself lost every now and then. But isn't it a beta, or is it full? Uh, it's full. Like, it's the actual... It's not in okay. preview anymore. Okay. So, uh, but, I mean, you can just tell it's the first-gen right. um, OS. And, you know, the thing about Apple and Microsoft here is that when Apple comes out with something and they believe they can bet the company on it, they totally will. Right. Whereas with Microsoft, they're still thinking, okay, office, 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 got to keep our cash cow. And uh, it's especially true with Metro. Though you can have Metro, you can turn it off right. and view it the other way. And they, they're not even showing that. I was wondering what that looked like. And they were I thought they were going to show it, but they never did. Right. So they're really investing in this area it's a little bit harder for them too in their defense to sort of bet their whole company when probably 85 to 90 percent of the enterprise world uses right 80 percent 
right? 80% of the enterprise world uses this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they also said that there are 1.5 billion Windows machines. Right. So, so making a change is a little bit risky. more difficult. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of why, I guess that's a, that brings up an interesting uh, point that that's probably why this hasn't changed, the iOS. Right. Because the mean, iOS is 30% of the smartphone market share. If so you it's kind of hard to change something when, I mean, and some of that, a significant amount of that is the enterprise world. Like we're seeing a lot of shift from, from RIM, the BlackBerry yeah. OS, to the iOS. So I think that's looking like a 50%. Yeah, right. Market. It's a good split now. So. Right. Yep. So those are the three main arcs of mobility. Um, of course, CES is electronic, so there's a lot of other things to talk about in CES. A lot um, of TV stuff going on, too. TV stuff always happens, no right. matter what. Uh, typically, they're usually bigger, thinner, and prettier. Um, we just, I've heard a little bit more about them in the rumor mill this year because of this supposed ITV that's coming. Yeah. Um, I, and, of course, we won't know... Right, Until and I mean, we talked about it once before. I'm beginning to believe the rumors a little bit more than I think last time we talked about it, but... I'm still not convinced that it'll be a sort of... It, it, so TVs is interesting because TVs are becoming way harder. It's an interesting, like, market space because TVs used to be the case where you'd take it, put it in, plug it in, put some rabbit ears up, and you're good to go. Right. Now, it's like, okay, red goes into red, yellow goes into yellow... I'm not really sure if the sound goes out or in, right. what any of that means. So if there's an opportunity there, it's going to be in making it the experience from unboxing it to putting it on your desk to watching simple, TV. Yeah, very, very simple. And uh, so one of my friends was telling me actually today that they got an Apple TV. They decided to get one because they're cheap right now. They're like 40 bucks. Oh, okay, really? Like some at some place he was. So he put it on his desk and he, he loved the idea of airplaying from his iPad straight to his TV. And this to me is the example of how something can be so easy and be so much more enjoyable than going out and buying a really expensive TV when something's plug and play. So if Apple can come up with a TV that is just as simple with AirPlay compatible and maybe Siri in there too, so you can tell it what kind of channel you want to watch or what TV you're in the mood for or what is on or what movie is coming on. Sort of a genius feature. Uh, Yeah, that too. Which Genius has become a conduit for huge money-making success. Right, and I love the Genius features. Oh, Um, yeah. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Apple TV. I actually purchased one for a family member of mine over the break uh, for Christmas. And um, she had a Roku player. And they're a little bit older in their mid to late 60s. And they had no idea how to work this Roku player. It was a disaster. I got the Apple TV and just like that, like they love it and they use it all the time. They're yeah. like, we canceled HBO, we canceled Cinemax, we just use Netflix all the time. This is great. Wow. So I mean... And if even if they didn't want to cancel, they could still use it on their iPad or whatever. Right. Open up HBO, flick it on AirPlay. Exactly. Yeah. A I mean, lot of these companies, so unfortunately, some companies are holding out. They're kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want my content to be AirPlay like that. But some companies are totally fine. And most are starting to go to it because right. they see they have to. Right. So TVs, big deal. Um, looks like LG's got some 55 incher. I thought I remember seeing something about an 80 inch somewhere. I'm sure it exists, yeah. but <laughs> usually when it comes to uh, when it comes to showing off TVs and other big things like that, it's mainly just to show off. It's mainly to say, "Hey, right. we're doing something big. Check it out. It's awesome." And we briefly, I wanted to touch on before we sort of left the CES realm. You, you mentioned Microsoft's leaving. This is their last CES. Mm. Right before we left as well, I was uh, right before we started the show. Another New York Times article I was reading. 
was uh, essentially that CES is probably going to start to go much like Macworld's done, more and more by the wayside as mm -hmm. these big companies decide we can launch products on our own, we'll just call, hold press conferences, things like that. So hopefully CES doesn't die away too much, but we're starting to maybe see the end of CES as, as what it is right now. Yeah, it's definitely the end of CES as where we are. I don't think trade shows are going to go away. Right. I think trade shows are a great opportunity for people who are new to the space, the who are like, kind of like Kickstarter-y people who want to show it off, who want to bring people together. I mean, trade shows are... You know, well, they're certainly useful. I, I would never discount the, the value. They're useful them. because they allow networking opportunities. They allow for idea exchanges, uh, people to come together to just talk about what they love. And that'll never go away. Right. I mean, that's been there for centuries. Right, absolutely. So it's not, it's not an old thing. But bigger companies now, they're starting to, maybe it's partly taking on Apple's leaf and saying we want to do our own product debut. Right. And, I mean, Apple's even taking the next step of putting in an auditorium for their own, yeah, you yeah. know, announcements. But it could be that just that it's so much money investment and so much of that. And then they have to make the additional investment of going into TV and telling the general public. Mm -hmm. Whereas they can do it all in one fell swoop with one announcement. One little media press kit says, here, come to this. Here's what's going on. Now let's get on with it. Mm -hmm. Worry more about the product, not about setting up for a, a trade show. So, anything yeah. else? Looks like there's going to be a... Uh, I thought that Windows 7, I don't know if you saw the uh, on live or whatever, Windows 7 iPad app. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I still how do they do that? That's what I Earlier I tweeted from my own account, just I wonder how the licensing is going to work. Like, It might not be working, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the app comes out on Thursday. I'll certainly download it, give it a shot, see what it works like. But um, I guess we'll know more on Thursday when the app is released, or if it's released. So, you know, with CES being there and being a trade show that kind of begins, it kind of sets the stage for what we may see in 2012. Though some people keep it close wraps and keep it kind of, you know, tied down and then big announcement later. Like, right. supposedly Apple has an announcement coming At pretty soon. January, yeah. So, but it doesn't seem that big of a deal from what we hear. Yeah. But, um, but you made some interesting predictions for 2012. Yes. Uh, I mean, basically... It starts, there's five different things that I'm kind of seeing. And these are conservative. They're, they're not that's like... That's what I was going to say. Number one is especially like, that's, a, that's pretty easy to... I'm, I'm conservative because every year there seems to be predictions made that are just so ridiculous that you're, you're wondering why you read them. Right. So when I think of 2012, I think of growth. I mean, a lot of 2011 and a lot of 2010 was really... Times of innovation and times of complete failure. Mm -hmm. You saw failure with HP. You saw failure with Netflix's strategy. You saw failure with WebOS. You saw failure in many different ways. You saw innovation in many ways too with the iPad. You know, with even iPad Two. Well, yeah. that's what I'm specifically okay. speaking of, and with iOS Five and. You know, you may not remember. I mean, these the thing about technology is it moves so fast that when you try to think of a whole year and distill it down, right. it's so much well, going on. Look at on. Windows Phone 7. Like, Windows Phone 7.5 exactly. came out. It Suddenly, Windows Phone is something. Right. It's um, a bigger deal. So, with 2012, I think it's a growth period. To begin with, Facebook, right now, they have about 800 million users. It's going to be very quick when they become 1 billion. And one billion is a huge number. 
Oh, absolutely. The, that's one seventh of the world. One seventh of the world is on, on Facebook. Facebook. And so that metric is interesting because how many people are on the internet in the world right now, if you had to guess? It can't be I, much more than two billion, say, yeah. right? We couldn't be much more than two sevenths of man. So half of the half of the internet the commu- world. community yeah. is on Facebook. So it's the premier place to talk with people, to connect with people, to create relationships, or whatever it is. It's becoming this sort of amoebus life form that's right. becoming different things, that's being integrated in your life with Open Graph. So eight hundred million, I say a billion before they go public. Um, probably going to be much sooner than that, but we'll have to see. They do have to go public pretty soon here. I think Q2, Q3 is their deadline mm-hmm. before they have to open the books. So they might as well just go public now before people start talking about it and not investing. <laughs> right. Twitter, too. I mean, Twitter's made some great uh, m- moves. And 2011 was certainly the year for Twitter in the sense of like uh, like riot or activism. Exactly. We saw a lot of activism out of Twitter. I don't think that's probably going to change very much. I think it'll definitely not. Yeah. And that's just because of the flexibility of the service. Right. Right. Number two, Ping's gone. I think Ping has been there and has been sitting there kind of stagnantly. There's activity, of course, but how much of that is paid activity by Apple to their PR department of the music industry? questionable right. and you used ping a little bit at the beginning right i did i tried i, I really did i gave it about a week and i was just like i don't like it i'm not gonna use it i tried to use it because it did have twitter integration but i wasn't getting any feedback well, what's i wasn't getting any is, response what's, what's kind of terrible all at the same time is you know i own almost every i think i own every apple product except the mac pro and the apple cinema display and when you said ping at first i was like what's he talking about and then i like started reading i'm like oh right the apple service right right but that being said, music is a big deal. If you read the Steve Jobs biography and you understand the business of Apple, right. music is a big deal, and so is social. They would be foolish to not jump into the social market, given how big of a deal that mm-hmm. is. Now, when they th- probably consider social, they think, well, we have these great devices. If people want to use social, they'll use our and devices. they got that fine, find my friends app. How much Which, more social <laughs> can you get? But you can see how they're wanting to they're take trying, it seriously. Yeah, making a little, little strides here and there. Now, I'm going to throw a curveball. I think Last.fm is a company that's been around for quite some time, and they are one of the best music recommendation services. The only reason I didn't mention Pandora is because Pandora is already a public company, and, and they're big no enough reason that they're probably why. not going anywhere. Well, uh, who knows? I don't know about that. Maybe maybe they'll be acquired someday or whatever. But as it stands right now, they've got they're building their business. Last FM is a company that has been around. They've really done great work with iTunes integration and further with Facebook and Twitter integration as well. I think Apple buys them pretty soon. So hmm. it's going to happen this year. We'll see. The third thing is Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus has been around, but I don't think they've found their niche yet. The thing about Google Plus is that Facebook and Twitter are dominating the social media space. And we've had numerous discussions about where it's going to go. And as I reflect on it, I start to understand Google Plus is not a short-term thing. It's a very, very long-term strategy. And it begins with under underlying sort of the web in general, the semantic web, 
the way we understand what we like, what we dislike, how we rank pages, what right. pages we really want to see. And because Google is the window to that, plus wanting things is going to be the way we sort and understand our content as a society. And sort of a play off your own words here. Quietly, we're going to realize, oh, man, we're really using this. Right. Right. It's going to become a bigger deal. Google Plus already has so many subscribers. I don't even know that. I think it's like 400 million or something. It's like half of Facebook. It's a little less than half. And why is that? Well, it's mostly because of Google accounts being so ubiquitous. So just clicking on a button to if join. Have, yeah, if you've got, it all, if you've got no one service, deal. you get the other one. Active users of Google Plus is not a number that Google really releases, but you can prospect that it's probably half of that. But over time, the number or the the term active user is going to change because if people start plus wanting things everywhere and they start to understand how to integrate that with other services, I think it's going to be a really big deal. Right. So, but they've got to get people to plus one it more. Right. Which I think will still be a little bit of the struggle. The fourth thing, Netflix will disband their DVD service entirely and move exclusively to digital content. Uh, <laughs> Redbox is owning Netflix's lunch when it comes to DVDs. Yeah. If you want a DVD, you're not going to wait two days. People want things now. Redbox is everywhere you would want to get a DVD at. Getting a grocery, going buying groceries, go get a Redbox movie. At the CVS, go buy a Redbox movie. At McDonald's, picking up dinner for the kids, hey, there's a Redbox there. It's literally it's everywhere. The, it's the Starbucks of DVDs. Oh, well, but the <laughs> thing about Starbucks is like high-end. Redbox is purposefully cheap. Right, but you I mean, know? you see it on every street corner. Right, right, in that way. But you can see how Netflix tried to do that. Yeah. Quickster kind of showed the way for Netflix's ultimate strategy, which is, hey... We don't really it. need to do this anymore. I want to do We want to spin it off and we're going to grow this aspect of our business. But then people said that was a dumb idea. Why don't you grow it anyway with the term <laughs> Netflix? But Netflix has really started to push more content onto their website and that's going to continue to move forward to the point where the DVD service is going to start looking stale. And when realizing that, they're going to cut their losses and hopefully stop the bleeding. At least that's what a CEO should do at this point. There, and the other thing about DVDs is that, in general, m physical content is dying. Right. S the sort of cloud service is becoming a deal. Instant content's becoming a big deal. Why would you want to have a device like that, a DVD player? Oh, I mean, yeah, I have literally cut myself off completely from physical media. I don't know about you, but I just... I've stopped you. I actually had to buy a super drive for a class because I needed to burn DVDs and I realized right. my Mac mini doesn't have one. My MacBook Air right. doesn't have one. Right. The last thing is Microsoft will gain RIM smartphone OS market share moving to 10%. I would certainly say that's a, so that's a pretty good win. Just to look at the Comscore numbers right now, Google Android's at top with 46.9 and that's kind of because of the amount of phones right, that they have yeah, Google yeah. Android on. And then Apple's sitting at number two with about 28.7 of the sh market, so gaining, but Android's still there. RIM has 16.6, but they are dropping, and Microsoft has about 5.2% of the mobile smartphone market share. Looking at those numbers, RIM is declining, Microsoft's gaining, Apple's and RIM, uh, Apple and Android are probably going to start evening each other right. out if the Apple strategy continues. 
it's clear that Rim is moving away it's from the business. Way, yeah. It's still got an enterprise foothold, but given the amount of focus that Rim is putting on enterprise and not on the consumer market, the consumer market is way shut bigger. The door on him, yeah. So ultimately, you'll expect to see a grow in that direction, and with the right hardware within the Lumia 800 and 900, it'll happen sooner than you think. I almost, I mean, not 2012, certainly, but I see RIM on its way out the door in the next couple of years anyway. If you are a business with such strong ties with the corporate industry and whatnot, it's difficult to say that they're going to be completely gone, but I do think that they're going to rebrand their business and move in a different direction, like HP, for example. Right. They've made some blunders. They've done some things. They've said some things they probably shouldn't have said. So they've gone with a rebrand now, and they're going to push forward with this sort of mobility aspect and making great computers, which is what they did. Right. So in the same way, I think RIM's going to look at their core competencies and go, you know what? We had a great messaging platform. We have a strong understanding of what enterprise business people want we're going to push forward in that direction then that's what it's all about yeah and that's 2012 in a nutshell that is what we have to talk about for this week's episode number 25 and we're going to be back on schedule now i think yeah took a little bit of a hiatus but we're going to be back on schedule with recordings on tuesdays coming out on wednesdays weekly wednesday so Hopefully you guys will tune in, and we will see you next time. See you next week.